I want to talk about uh, forgiveness, of which I think there is a short supply in the world today. We seem to be a pretty angry bunch on a lot of levels. Um, we talked yesterday about words and, and, and how, how cruel and, and, and discourteous and mean-spirited words can be and often are nowadays. But uh, forgiveness is in order for that. And the absence of forgiveness uh, really puts us in a very difficult situation, maybe even more difficult than we know. So here, I'd like to do this with you. Uh, the, the verses are very familiar to us. They're general, generally referred to as the Lord's Prayer, sometimes called the model prayer because Jesus was asked how to pray. Now, I think that's a very, very wise thing to do. In fact, I think we often don't know how to pray or what to pray for because we haven't asked first. Now, that seems kind of ironic, I think, like you have to ask what to pray for and then pray. I think that's a really great idea, actually, because often we don't seem to know what to pray for. And thankfully, the Bible says that God understands us when we don't even have words. Thank goodness for that. But it's good to ask what and how to pray before we even pray. And that's what this prayer is. So I'd like for us to say it together and use the word debtors instead of uh, trespasses. And you'll see why we'll need to do that as we finish. So let's pray that prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The model prayer. Well, I want to focus uh, this evening on one, one phrase in that, and it's found in verse 12 in your Bibles, if you, uh, if you have them open, Matthew 6. 9 through 15. We'll get to 14 and 15 in just a moment. Verse 12 says, and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. I'm not sure, sure that's easy to do. Uh, I, in fact, quite the contrary, I think it's difficult to do, but it should be done. There are consequences later on here for not doing it. One of my favorite writers is Max Licato, very prolific writer. Some people don't know that Max Licato was the pastor of a church in San Antonio for many years and has now become the teacher in residence there uh, because he had so much to do and had written so many books. And so he's not the senior pastor there. He's not the lead pastor there. He is he's the, the, the pastor in residence, or the teacher in residence. So he wrote this in a book that he wrote a few years ago called The Great House of God. See if this sounds familiar. Living in the crosshairs of a hitman is no treat. I should know. I've had one after me for three months. He wasn't a mafia member. He wasn't a gang member. He didn't carry a gun. With a scope, his weapons were even deadlier. He had my phone number and a commission to track me down and make me pay. His job, collect past due payments for a credit card company. A good day for him means a bad day for everyone he contacts. Don't get me wrong, I understand why such an occupation is necessary. I just wonder what kind of a person 
would want such a job? Who wants to be a missionary of misery? Can you imagine what their spouse says as they go to work? Make them squirm, honey. Do their bosses motivate them with the blood out of a turnip award? Who is their hero? Godzilla? What a job. Their payday is your paycheck, and they're out to get it. Can you imagine spending your days like that? Trying to get even, trying to get something, trying to take something? That's Lakato. Perhaps we can't imagine something like that. All of us can. Even the best among us uh, sometimes are owed something, or we owe something. Doesn't it, doesn't it make sense that somebody owes you something? Have you ever had anything done to you and you feel like you still haven't completed that? It's not been resolved. It's still lingering. It's an issue. Somebody owes you something. Maybe it's a thank you you never got. Maybe something happened in your childhood that you've never quite overcome. Your childhood was stolen. Some think about it. Don't think about it too long. If you do, it'll become a way of life. You wouldn't have to think very long if you don't look in the mirror to find somebody who's bitter in life. Something bad has happened to them. Maybe your parents should have been more protective. Maybe your children should have been more appreciative. Maybe your spouse should have been more sensitive. Hey, maybe the preacher should have paid more attention to you. What are we going to do with those people that we owe a debt to or owe a debt to us? Greg Laurie wrote a verse uh, that ended up being in a song. Jesus Christ came to pay a debt he did not owe because we owe a debt that we could not pay. Now, that's kind of almost become a cliche, but the truth is it's not. It's so true. Jesus did come to pay a debt he didn't owe because we owe a debt that we could not pay. So, realistically, how do we deal with the issue of forgiveness? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What exactly does that mean? How important are those words? Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of talking about words, words that are good and words that are evil and how we use them. And I, I looked at these words. And nations are warring against nations, and neighbors are feuding with neighbors, and church members even have conflicts with other church members. Spouses are fighting with one another, and one marriage is being torn apart after another. Families are having upheavals, hostility, turmoil, bitterness, lack of forgiveness. You know, we humans have invented a lot of very important things, a lot of worthwhile things but we say, we, we've never been able to quite solve the problem of forgiving each other and living with a lack of forgiveness. So that's kind of where we're going to land tonight. I hope it's meaningful to you. I, I, I studied it and I, I worked on it so that it, it would be. If it's not, please forgive me. Forgive us our debts as we are uh, forgiven our debtors. What do these words mean? Uh, well, the word actually means this word debt is an Aramaic word um, that means uh, the things that we owe, obviously, the things that we are responsible for. It doesn't really imply uh, actual money. 
It's not that kind of debt. It's, it's something that goes kind of beyond that. I was speaking a weekend before last, actually Sunday, at a church in Somerset, Pennsylvania. And after the service was over with, and we had a glorious service, as I, I went out to the lobby to meet some people, and some folks wanted to have some books signed. And this couple lingered and lingered and lingered. And when that happens, I always know they have something special they want to say. These two people came up to me and told me that their son had recently been murdered. I wish I could say that that was the first and only time that's ever happened to me. Actually, I can't even remember how many times it's happened to me. People telling me about not only the death of their children, but the murder of their children. The company that has represented me from a booking agency standpoint for years is in Lakeland, Florida. They weren't always in Lakeland, Florida. They were in Michigan for many years until their son murdered a man in Florida. Carol Kent wrote a book about it, Now I Lay Down My Isaac, bestseller book, about her son who killed a man in a jealous rage. That son is going to be in jail for the rest of his life without parole. But they moved to Florida to raise his two daughters and so they could see him every weekend, no matter where he is, transferred all over Florida. Forgiveness, it's, it's hard. Forgiveness is almost impossible if we are to do it in the flesh. Our hearts are so hard that we suffer wrongs inflicted on us and we just can't get over it. We just can't forget it. I had a lady come one time to a table where I was sitting and she began to pound, and she was a small lady, pound on the desk pound on it and pound on it. Tears were in her eyes, but they weren't tears of sadness. They were tears of rage. And she looked at me and she said, I'm so angry at God for taking my daughter. It was, it was utter bitterness. And, and if we're parents, we can understand how precious they are to us. It helps some to know that that child belonged to God before he loaned them to us. But the loss is real. It's, it's a real thing. How do we forgive such things? How is that possible? You know, following unforgiveness, usually bitterness sets in like that lady. You've heard of the, the Hatfields and the McCoys and their long-running feuds that took place back in the 1880s. Uh, the best estimate of how many people that were killed together on both sides of this family is 100 about 100 people between the Hatfields and the McCoys were killed as a result of their bitter feud. Satan is clever. He'll find something that sidetracks us and preoccupies us and takes us away. And that's what's happening here in this prayer, the model prayer. We're not focusing on God when we're focusing on each other and how we're getting along with each other. And look what happens down in verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And verse 15 says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a heavy judgment, a judgment on us and how we respond to each other and how we are able of putting our past behind us to get over the, those things. I heard a comedian say one time, I have had a few arguments with people, but I'd never carry a grudge. You know why? When you're carrying a grudge, they're out dancing. 
I mean, think about that for a second. Sometimes we pine away, we fuss, we fume, we're upset. We just can't stand the notion that somebody has wronged us, and the person who wronged us may be just out having the best time ever. So we're not really hurting them. We're hurting ourselves, and we're interfering with our relationship with God. It says here, neither will your father forgive your trespasses if you're not capable of forgiving other people theirs. That Aramaic word, hoba, H-O-B-A, means a spiritual debt, a moral debt. It doesn't mean money. And uh, forgive literally means to hurl or to send away. It doesn't just mean like, oh, I forgive you. It means like to send that away, to not dwell on that, to not focus on that, to make that not part of your life. I mean, you can't necessarily forget it, but you forgive it. That's what it's saying here. The lack of forgiveness will not only cause problems for ourselves, they're cause problems for our relationship with God. Now, this is serious. This is serious. I mean, the other thing can be serious in terms that it sidetracks us and, and preoccupies us, and we're not focused on on having a meaningful life if we're so angry or bitter or upset with someone else because of what they did or didn't do. It's saying here that this will actually interfere with our relationship with God. You know the story, a few chapters over in chapter 18 of Matthew. It's a story of a parable about a, a man who owes a lot of money to his master, a lot of money. Now, the rabbis would say in biblical times that if, if you owe somebody a debt, you should pay back three times, three times. Peter takes it further than that. Peter says you should double it and add one. You should pay back seven times. So they asked Jesus over in chapter 18 of Matthew, how much should you pay back? Well, he's telling this parable, and he says it's, it's 70 times seven. I'm not a mathematician, but I read it. It's a 490. That's a lot, 490. This guy owes a talent, which is worth 6,000 days of wages, 6,000 days of wages. 70 times 7 is 130,000 years of wages. That's how much Jesus is essentially saying this man owes the master. Well, that's ludicrous wages. That's impossible wages. That debt can never be repaid. And the man throws himself, in a sense, on the mercy of the court, and sure enough, the master forgives it. All of it, all 130,000 years worth of wages. So he seems to be appreciative, but he gets up, and you know what happens next. One of his compadres, one of his friends, is owing him a debt. He wants it. He wants the money. He wants it now. The man says, I don't have the money. Well, he doesn't just get angry at him. He starts to strangle him. He's got him by the neck. Well, he realizes he's certainly not going to get any money if he actually kills him. So he relents and has the man sent to debtor's prison. When you start to think about it, and debtor's prison existed for many, many, many years, many centuries actually, how ridiculous that is. How is anybody going to pay any money back if they're in prison and they're provided three squares a day and a place to sleep. That, they're not going to pay it back. So, word reaches the master because some of the 
man who owed the original money, uh, the way he acted and how bitter he was towards this man who didn't owe him nearly, nearly a fraction of that much money, the word gets back and of course you know what happens. That man, the original man, is uh, in prison, in debtor's prison for the rest of his life because he couldn't show the same kind of mercy and forgiveness that the master had shown him, and, and, and so much more money was owed that it was incalculable. Really, it, you just couldn't even wrap our brains around how much he ended up owing because of the circumstances. Well, we're the servant in this story that Jesus is telling. We're the one who owes a debt that we cannot pay. And so if we accept the debt that has been paid on our, be par, our part, how much more willing to forgive others should we be? That's the moral of the story, and there is definitely a moral in this story. Each of us owes God an immeasurable debt, a, a, a debt that's astronomical. It certainly cannot be repaid with our earthly wares or anything else that we possess except our soul. And in doing so, we have eternal life. Instead, this is what we hear. You hurt me. You wronged me. You're going to pay for what you did. What, what does that kind of behavior say to other people who have no moral rudder or sense of, of where eternity takes them or a meaningful existence in this life? I think that's a good problem. Individuals do wrong us. We know they do. We want to grab them by the neck and choke them. If you're honest, you'll think that you've probably wanted to do that one time or another. We just are angry. We feel wronged, and we truthfully have been wronged in a moral sense. Somebody really treated us wrong. But many Christians, I think, are living in a prison themselves because of their unforgiveness, a prison of their own making. They are failing to enjoy what God has to offer in his fellowship, they are feeling unforgiven themselves. So often they're tormented by circumstances of life, and they're bitter. Carol, King, Carol Kent in her book, Now I Lay Down My Isaac, because she's talking about giving up her son. He's incarcerated for the rest of his life. Well, incidentally, he started one of the largest prison Bible studies in the state of Florida on the inside of that prison. And he would tell you, I've heard him say it myself, that he never would have had that opportunity had he not done something terribly wrong. And he has asked for forgiveness and received it. Will he ever be able to exit prison? No, not in this life. But in the next life he, he has and he will. It's all about forgiveness. Forgiveness allows us to be unshackled and it allows us to enjoy power. And the key word there being enjoy. We can enjoy life. We can enjoy power over all those things that would steal our joy. We can enjoy our salvation because we have been forgiven and we forgive. Let me suggest some problems that unforgiveness causes. Here they are. It hinders and keeps our prayers from being answered says so right here, verses 14 and 15. 
But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. And the absence of that means that we, we complicate, if not eliminate, the relationship we have with God. Can we lose our salvation if it's authentic? No. But we could certainly cause the relationship to be fallow. We can cause the relationship to be on automatic pilot. We can forfeit the right to really respond to God. And that's the second one. We lose our fellowship and intimacy with the Father because that clouds us. It interferes with Him because of our relationship with each other. We're spending so much time being angry and frustrated and gritting our teeth over what somebody did or maybe several somebody's did to us that we're not thinking about God at all. We sacrifice that fellowship and intimacy. And the third thing, and this is pretty, this is pretty serious here, number three is it invites God's discipline on us. And he's very clear here. Don't expect to be forgiven if you're not willing to forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Nice crowd here tonight. We're not going down every aisle and asking you who you're angry at or what you're upset about or what somebody did to you, but I, I suggest if we did, starting with me, I could probably come up with some things I'm not too happy about and some things that maybe somebody did that were very unkind or very unthoughtful and even more so, maybe hurt someone else I love. And I'm not very happy about that. So, in a very real sense, I'm inviting the judgment of God on myself by treating other people that way. And responding to them that way. Here's what Spurgeon said. Unless you have forgiven others, you read your own death warrant when you repeat the Lord's Prayer. Because that's what you're saying. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because right after it ends, Jesus says, you don't expect to be forgiven if you can't forgive others. It, it, it goes with the territory. It is part of the judgment. It is what we receive. Now, don't, don't forget this. We're being forgiven in this. You know, forgive us our debts, our debts, our debts, as we forgive our debt whores. So it's not just like, well, I don't think I can get over <laughs> forgiving those people. I can't get over what they did. And the reality of it is, look what God has forgiven of you. Yeah. That's an awesome thing. That, that goes back to what I said, what Greg, Greg Laurie said. We owe a debt we cannot pay, Jesus paid it all. Now here's what I'm not saying, and I, I want you to please kind of lean into this. This is not what I'm saying, because sometimes it's important to understand what is not being said. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying the hurt isn't real. No, I'm not saying that at all. You could probably conjure up some hurt right now in your heart that has been inflicted on you. So the hurt is real. I'm not saying that time might not be needed to get over this. Quite the contrary. I think time is actually required to process things and to do it. Now, what am I leading up to tonight? 
What I'm leading up to is with a group this size, there's some people in the room, without a doubt, who need to forgive someone else. The other person might be in the room, actually. We're going to have a, a decision time in just a few minutes. Maybe that would be a good time to take care of that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we need to excuse sinful behavior. I'm not saying that at all. That's up to God to judge. It's not our judgment. And yet sometimes we make it our judgment because we think they deserve this. They should deserve this happening to them. And that's God. He'll decide who deserves what, not us. So I'm not saying that we're excusing sinful behavior. And I am not saying this that we might not need God's strength and power to do this. Because you probably won't be able to do it by yourself. It's just too hard. In some cases, it hurts too bad. It just does. So we may need God to do it. Hey, listen, Joseph forgave his brothers. David forgave Saul. Stephen forgave those who were stoning him to death. And Jesus looked down from the cross itself and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There's a precedent for this. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Couldn't say it better. Be compassionate and kind to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ and Christ, God, forgave you. Incidentally, I think you need to know the resolution of the Hatfields and McCoys. Oh, there have been movies made about it. There's been television shows made about it. That was in the 1880s. In 1976, Jim McCoy and Willis Hatfield, the only two surviving members of the original families, shook hands in a public ceremony and dedicated a monument to all the Hatfields and McCoys that had been killed in that feud. That was 1976. On February the 11th, 1984, Jim McCoy died at the age of 99. Guess who handled his funeral arrangements? The Hatfield Funeral Home in Toler, Kentucky. That took a long time to get over that. I pray that it doesn't take that long for us to get over it. Whatever it is, it may be several things. It may be several people. It may be several circumstances. Desmond Tutu is the Nobel Laureate of the Nobel Peace Prize. He distilled this whole process down to just four, four things that we can do. Four things that we can do. You might want to write these down. They're very, very simple when it comes to forgiveness and getting over something, past something. As the, the scripture says, to cast it out, just cast it out. Number one, when you're dealing with somebody that needs, you need to have reconciliation with, number one, tell the story. Just tell them. 
tell them what it is that, that started all this. Talk, talk about it. Talk it out. The second thing, very quickly, is name the hurts. What about the situation hurt you? Tell the story. Name the hurts. Number three, grant forgiveness. Now, this, there may be some time passing in between these, but it's important to set the table for this. Grant forgiveness. Because if you don't, it doesn't matter how, where you go after this. It's not going to end. In fact, you know, you, you could wind up back where you started or worse. Tell the story, name the hurts, grant forgiveness. And now this is very important that you listen to this whole thing. Renew or release the relationship. See, we want it like it was before we had this falling out. We had this difference of opinion. Someone harmed us, hurt us, devastated us. And we've been living with it ever since. We want to renew that. We want to go back like it never happened. That's not going to happen. But you can renew the relationship. All of us probably know of somebody that was really crossways with someone else, maybe for a long time, like the Hatfields and McCoys, and ended up being friends again. Not quite like it was before, because that thing is always there. They won't forget it. But now the second part of that is release the relationship. Sometimes you just have to move on, get past it. Release it and move on. And the, and the, the word release is very important because it implies that we're owned by it. It has us. And if you want to be honest, it has us. We're upset. We're angry. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It just means that living in anger will hurt you and your relationship with God. He's very clear about the circumstances. So, is this a call to action? Yes. Yes, I'm not just up here speaking because it seemed like a good thing to talk about tonight. I mean, it really is a call to action. That's where that story that I told yesterday comes in. You know, I, I, I'm in a hurry a lot of times. A lot of times I'm in another place where I don't know very much, and I'll see a familiar drive through restaurant, and I'll just drive through and get something to eat on the way where I am next. And sometimes in such a hurry that I will drive through and I will order the food at the sign and I'll drive to the first window and pay and then I'll get to the second window and forget what I ordered. And then I'll get home and find out that I didn't get what I ordered or I only got half the order. I went and grabbed something and then I drove off and they're sitting there holding the rest of the bag because I didn't get it. Being in church is like that sometimes. You know, you... There's something here worth having and taking, and we're in such a hurry to get out of here, we just forget it. So the, the, the question is, is it for here or is it takeout? We could just lock the doors and stay in here and swap stories and have the best time, and maybe they could hear us singing outside, but if we don't take this out, it's not going to have a great impact on the world in which we live. It's highly likely that some of the people that have offended you or that you're hurt by, or maybe you're the one that hurt them, they're not here. They're somewhere else. So is this for here or takeout? To be honest with you, everything in church should be takeout. So we shouldn't just come in here for our own edification, and we should, but we should hopefully hear something that's going to change our lives because it's the scripture 
and we'll take it out with us. It is take out. First sermon I ever preached, I think I was 19 at the First Baptist Church of Bossier City. They trusted me so much that they let me do it on Wednesday night, <laughs> not on Sunday. It's a good thing because I had about 45 minutes of what I thought were really good material and it lasted for 12 minutes. So they, they sang a lot that night. I remember my father in the ministry, Dr. Devon Vaughn, came up after me. <laughs> this is great. He put his arm around me. He said, son, you said some good things tonight. I, I think that was his way of saying, you know, that wasn't very good at all. Um, and he was trying to let me down gently. I did say something I've never forgot that night. I think I stole it out of Apples of Gold or something, one of those little gift books that you buy that has all kinds of nice sayings in it. Here's what I remember from my first sermon at the age of 19, 50 years ago. Forgiveness is the fragrance that a flower sheds on the foot that has crushed it. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, I remember that. Forgiveness is the fragrance of flowers. So you know what? Sometimes we're hurt. Sometimes we're crushed. Sometimes we're beaten up. Sometimes we have people say and do really unspeakable things to us. We lose if we live in anger and hostility. We lose. We lose. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Key word being forgive. 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 I uh, am asked a lot of questions. I, I, I just am. I don't know what people think I know, but they, they do ask me a lot of questions. And, and one of the questions I've been asked repeatedly now, repeatedly for oh my goodness, 30 years, is did you ever talk to the man who ran over you and killed you? People want to know that. That man was an inmate at uh, one of the correctional facilities in Huntsville, of which you know there are many, and the regular driver didn't show up that day of the big truck, and so they went out to the prison yard and asked for volunteers, and Raymond volunteered. I have never spoken Raymond's full name out loud, and I never intend to, unless he personally gives me permission to do so. But his first name is Raymond. Did I ever meet Raymond? No. The only time I ever met him is when his truck ran over me, and that was head on. But I never did. I, I did read some, some transcripts, some depositions that Raymond uh, gave because they were investigating the accident. Who was responsible for the accident? Well, he was driving the truck, but in truth, somebody had to give him the keys for him to drive the truck. That decision was made as well. So, am I angry at Raymond? Am I mad at him for what he did? I bear the scars inside and out from that day. Well, I did a study back in 2011 of the Gospel of John and what Jesus had to say about how to live on the way to heaven. You know, it's important that we have reservations in heaven, and we're going to take some in a minute, but 
it's important to know how to live on the way to heaven. And in a real sense, that's what we're talking about tonight. How do we live? How do we treat each other? How do we live on the way to heaven? And that's really what church often ought to be about is learning those things. How to have a meaningful life now on the way to heaven if you've settled that issue. Well, that's what this book is about. Getting to heaven, departing instructions for your life now. There's a chapter in there on forgiveness. It's actually a study of Jesus and Judas and how many opportunities Judas had to get his act together before he finally just went too far. He couldn't be, he couldn't be brought back. He couldn't be rescued. I mean, even Jesus handed him the first piece of bread, which was a, actually a great honor to have that first piece of bread. Jesus was trying to include him and get him to turn to the last minute when it says the devil came upon him and he so, Jesus is telling us how to live. Chapter on forgiveness. I wrote a letter to Raymond nine years ago, hoping that he would read it someday, since I never was able to track him down. I did go to the Department of Criminal, I went to the TDC, I went everywhere, tried to find where Raymond was. He, he was finally paroled, he went to a halfway house in San Antonio, and I, we lost him there. I don't know what happened to him. My letter to Raymond. Dear Raymond, wherever you are, I forgive you. I know you didn't mean to hurt me that day. There's Raymond calling now. <laughs> if that's him, bring it up here. I want to talk to you. <laughs> I know you didn't mean to hurt me that day, and I'm doing all right. I'm not like I was before, but I'm doing all right. I was knocked down, but I wasn't knocked out. I was beaten up, but I wasn't beaten. I may not see you this side of heaven, Raymond. If that is not to be, and you have not already done so, please, please, Raymond, place your faith in Jesus Christ. He is able to forgive all your sins, yours and mine, both. Accept him as your Lord and Savior, brother. And if I don't meet you here on earth, I would like to meet you there at the gates of heaven. Our accident won't even be a memory there. Neither will prison. There aren't any there. You and I will walk the street of gold and in heaven there will never be any accidents. It's not always easy, but it doesn't say it has to be. It just needs to happen. Forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Send the prayer from Jesus. And it'll change your life, really. The moment we're going to pray and ask, search your hearts. We're going to have some music. I don't know if you're a kneeler. I can't kneel. I don't have the knees for it anymore. But if you want to come here and pray, if you want to pray where you are, and maybe just get right with God or ask God to help you get right with someone else that you've hurt or offended, or maybe you need to start the process 
of healing with someone who has hurt you, maybe very deeply, to the point that it has sidetracked you from being the Christian that you can be and that God wants you to be. Maybe, like Raymond, you're not sure whether you're heaven-bound or not. We can take care of that, too. We love you here. We want to love you there. So maybe you just need to come down and trust the Lord. I'll be happy to talk with you and pray with you. We'll have some others join us if necessary. Don't let that stop you. So I hope we'll take it with us. It's takeout. It's not just for here. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together. And thank you for your word. We often say that prayer. I remember praying it all the time when I was in school before they made a stop. Um, and we just prayed it. It was almost like a habit, really. I thought it was beautiful, and I liked it a lot. But when I really study it, when I really look at it, and I really think of that that verse, verse 9, captures my attention. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I, I know we have some forgiving to do, and it interferes with our relationship with you. It says that if we will forgive others, you will be sure to forgive us. And, and the opposite of that is if we don't, then we're going to have a hard time being forgiven by you because it interferes. It's in the way. Up and down the aisles here, there are people who probably maybe in some ways have been harboring a grudge of some kind for many years. In their life, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys. It's just been painful and difficult. And, and I know that. We're not denying that it is. But we are believing that it can interfere with our relationship with you. We want to leave it behind. Maybe we can leave it behind in here tonight take out a whole new way of living with us, free of that, freed of it. And it is free. So Lord, show us what you would have for us to do. Each of us, maybe there's somebody that we know that's bitter and harboring that kind of deep, deep resentment. Maybe we can help them see what they need to do to feel better and get past it and live a more meaningful and blessed life. So whatever it is that you would have for us to do. And if there's someone here tonight who isn't sure that they're even ready to go to heaven, we're taking reservations tonight. They don't even have to understand it. They just know that they need to and be willing to say yes to Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers for whatever you've done, no matter what it is. If that's you, just leave your seat, come down here and share that with me. I won't embarrass you in any way. I'd just like to pray with you intelligently. And probably the only way I can do that is you let me know what's on your heart. Holy Spirit, and that's exactly who we need. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Show each one of us what you would have for us to do. In Jesus' name.